Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that wants just one regular week of Barclays, that's all we ask. What a crazy couple of days it's been for Manchester City. Yesterday, out of the blue, came a breaking news story involving Benjamin Mendy that obviously we can't talk about for legal reasons. On the transfer front, meanwhile, City miss out on Harry Kane, then are offered Cristiano Ronaldo, and all this after passing up on signing Lionel Messi. Honestly, are our owners playing football manager after a few too many sherries? To try and make sense of all this, plus of course look ahead to tomorrow's hosting of Arsenal, I'm joined today by Howard and Chris Aparkis. Firstly, welcome aboard Chris, you well? Thank you mate, thanks for having me on board, looking forward to it. Good, and uh, you're down in, well I'm assuming, sunny Sydney? Yeah, it's pretty sunny for winter at the moment, but um, about 6pm now, so the sun is setting and Howard, it'd be good to know that there's no leaf blowers out my window. <laughs> I'm, just <laughs> laughing. I'm just laughing at the thought that you're in winter in Sydney and I bet it's warmer there than it is in Manchester in summer. Yeah, so. About 22 degrees today. Yeah, nice and sunny. <laughs> yeah thank you for <laughs> confirming that, yeah, cheers. Well, it's good to have you on board, Chris. And um, yeah, I can't believe we've got someone from Australia. Howard, we've gone continental. I know. Well, we're global now, so. Yeah. It was yeah. inevitable, yeah. It is. Um, how are you feeling, man? Yeah, not bad. It's Friday. So I do. I have to correct you, by the way. I, I, called the pre- I called the Premier League Barclays a few months ago, and I had someone actually DM'd me. <laughs> To correct me on the sponsorship deals and how they're not sponsored by the Barclays anymore. No, no, I know. It's it's the Antonio Conte line, isn't it? Um, Post-game, I can't remember what game it was. And he said, all I want is one regular week of Barclays. It'll always be the Barclays for me, so... But I've started to call it Barclays now, because... (laughs) (laughs) It's the wind me up. Um, Okay, let's get straight into this. There's loads to discuss. Not least the Champions League draw, which I didn't mention in the intro. Um... But we've got to start with, you know, well, at that point, the biggest story of the week. Um, Harry Kane announcing on Twitter that he's staying at Tottenham. Uh, How did you feel about that, Chris, when that transpired? Well, look, in short, I think the hierarchy might deserve a little bit of criticism for this one. Um, Mm. I I think we made a a bit of a mistake putting all of our eggs in one basket. Um, Getting pretty sick of, of hearing about it all, to be honest. But for me... I was always a bit torn on the Kane situation. So I know on one hand, we definitely would have got a lot of goals out of him. I thought he he really would fit into our system and I thought it would be a smooth transition to bring him on board. Um, obviously, on the other side of things, it, the, the figures that were getting thrown around were ridiculous. Um, you know, obviously, there's a bit of injury and age concerns with him, but you know, all in all, I'm not crying myself to sleep that this one didn't happen, but I definitely mm. didn't think that we have done ourselves any favours by um, not finding another alternative. So let's let's see what happens from here. Yeah, I mean, it's got echoes of 2019 all over again. Um, you know, Vinny leaves, we go for Harry Maguire. We say to Leicester, right, we want your player. Um, okay, that'll be 80 million, thanks. Oh, no, no, we'll offer you this. No, no, it's 80 million. Um, okay, well, we're not interested anymore. Pretend to walk away. Oh, no, they haven't followed us. Oh, you know, the path's now clear for Manchester United, which is fine because there's weeks to go to the transfer window, but suddenly we don't have a, a plan B in place and we're going into the season without a replacement for Vinny. It's just, it, it's a parallel with, with Sergio Aguero and, and, and Harry Kane here. And for them to make the same mistake twice, possibly, 
That's going to be unforgivable, isn't it, Howard? Yeah, uh, yeah. So much to <laughs> to pull apart, really. The key thing is, I don't. I've read so much, and I still don't really know how it all played out. Mm. Uh, I wanted Kane. I thought it'd be brilliant in the system, but I, honest, I know loads of fans. I'm not. I'm going to say this a lot during this podcast. I'm not trying to change anyone else's opinion. It's just mine. But I do look at the numbers, and there's no way I wanted us forking out 150 million pounds mm, for Harry same, Kane. Same. I'd actually yeah, rather it fell through than we go and do that and just pay whatever. Levy wanted. Because at the end of the day, we don't have a bottomless pit of money. We've got other areas of the squad that need fix. Well, I mean, <laughs> striker needs fixing. But I mean, even apart from the number nine and the, the forwards thing, next summer, you know, we'll be looking at other areas of the pitch that we need to spend money on. It does matter when you go way over the market value for a player. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think he's, his ankles are completely gone or that he's only got two years left in the game. But, it's possible that he's only got, you know, he's 28 at the end of the day and that 150 million or whatever would have been ridiculous. So I'm fine with City just saying, no, this is what we're paying. But then I feel we only offered 75 plus 25. I've no idea. That's ridiculous. That was never going to be accepted. What really annoys me, I think, is as an outsider, I've no idea again how these things work. Why... Why did we let it play out over a whole summer? I just—it's mm. the other players yeah. that may have got away. Maybe we were never in for Lukaku, never had a chance. Maybe he wanted to go to Chelsea or London or whatever. Maybe Messi. We did pick up the phone. He went, "No, nah, I'm going to PSG." Maybe we never had a chance. We just don't know what goes on. But all the while we're playing this out. I don't. I don't. I'm okay with City like focusing in on one player that Pep's wanted. He's not had his targets before. Just play it out much quicker. Go in hard. Go to your maximum, and if it's not working, pull out with a month of the the, uh, the transfer window to go. That's what frustrates him more than anything. Not that we didn't get him, more that we just let this drag out all the while. And now, now we're you know scraping around for an alternative with a few days of the window to go. So it's all very frustrating. But I never wanted them. To pay what Spurs, what Levy wanted, to be honest. So it's, a, you know, I'm not, I really wanted to be, I thought he's a, a very complete player, top assistant scorer that really would have fit into our system and taken us to another level. But that doesn't mean I think we should pay whatever Spurs want. Yeah. I mean, you, you said at the top there, Howard, that, you know, we don't really know the full details. And of course we don't, but there's certain details that we do know, or at least we can conclude that they're most likely to be true because so many different people have said so. Uh, and one of those things is that City were misled by the player or the player's representatives in the, as regards to how, you know, straightforward this might transpire, this transfer. Um, they were led to believe that, you know, for a hundred million pounds, he was attainable this summer. That obviously has turned out not to be the case. Does that make the city hierarchy a touch naive, Chris, to believe that, to kind of, um, to fall for it to such an extent? Definitely, mate. Uh, uh, there's just a bit of mediocrity at, at different different um, parties here and it is disappointing to see. Um, I do think that we definitely could have handled the situation better. Um, you know, I did not imagine that we would be in the situation with four or five days left of the transfer window and yeah. we still don't have a striker in place. So, yes, you can point fingers. Like, generally, we are a very well-run club. Uh, I don't care what anyone else says. 
Um, so for me, it's a touch out of character. Um, I, I think that also the Ronaldo stuff's a touch out of, uh, out of character. So something's got to have happened. Something has, has to have happened for, for us to be in this situation. And I'm not sure we'll know the exact, the exact situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly it, it can't be as, linear as what's being portrayed something's been going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to because City just wouldn't allow themselves to get into this situation it's so kind of um self-sacrificing you know it, it, it's um it's been so costly and yet on ha- Tuesday night apparently City was still confident of the deal going through so yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't believe that. I, I just can't believe I, again the Im- I say- elsewhere we had the images you know that's how how confident how advanced they thought it all was so but that's I would, why we I can't would be like to know deep down what was our final offer because yeah. it was only look. Asan will apps is absolutely knows inside track and knows far more than me. I'm just speculating as a man who knows absolutely nothing about the situation, as I'm sure I'm about to make clear. He'll say with good reason that Grealish had nothing to do with this, mm. and yet this thought in my head always thinks that. We got Grealish because we thought we could get rid of Bernardo Silva, and now we're beginning to think that there's no one to pay for Bernardo Silva. Did that inhibit what we could offer for Harry Kane? And Dayson will totally poo-poo that immediately, but that thought still <laughs> goes around in my head. I don't think we had to do Kane first, is, is what Asan was saying. That's fair enough. But I would be interested to know what was our final offer, uh, yeah. Just out of curiosity, really. Because if, if it was always 75, then we essentially knew we weren't getting him. So what was the point? So, yeah. so I don't really believe that we did go above 75. You've got to yeah. spare a thought, too, for, for Kane himself, because he must be distraught with what's going on. And now he's got to sort of put a brave face on and, and face the, the Tottenham fans and, and get back with his team. So it's, it's tough for everyone. And no one's won. There's, there's no clear winner in this situation. So that's what's, I guess, frustrating for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other people. Yeah. Well, and he's the I find, in the Conference League anyway, so he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The aspect I find kind of weird is when Grealish was given a number 10 shirt, um, you know, players put such value on, on the numbers, um, particularly someone like Kane, who is a, a number 10. You know, that, that is the number he would have requested. It's so odd that was when Grealish was given that. Uh, and we're going back a good few weeks there, aren't we? So, yeah, it's been... No one's no one's won, as you said, Chris, and no one comes out of this looking particularly well, um, because there's been a series of mistakes made, um, misdirectives and miscommunication, perhaps, and yeah, just we, we will see how this plays out. But now, basically, City have got a few days left in the transfer window, and we need a striker, which brings us on to one of the best strikers in the modern age, but. Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, Jesus. Um, let's start. Let's start with you, Chris. What Gabriel Jesus? No, he's not. He's not no. the greatest. No, uh, Chris. How would you feel about Cristiano Ronaldo joining Manchester City? Well, firstly, if this transfer window has taught me anything, it is that anything <laughs> can bloody happen. Yeah. Anything. And the fact of the matter is, we need goals, and he will definitely provide goals for us. And he would make us a better football team. I'm not disputing that. Um, you know, it would obviously be a short-term option, and I think he can contribute. And you know what? He's he's really injured when I when you come to think about it. I, I can't recall too many situations where he's out for for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. So I think he can definitely add value. Um, the only way I see this working 
is if he accepts to play a role within the team. So he has to be happy to sit on the bench while the likes of Sterling, Grealish, uh, Jesus, Torres, they all get picked above him. He needs to be happy with that. He needs to realise if he's going to come to City and be a part of Pep's plans, he needs to realise that he's just a small piece of the puzzle and it's not going to be, all be about him. One more thing with this is there's no way that I think that it could have even gotten to this stage in negotiations if the senior playing players at City were not happy with him coming. There's, I can't envisage a situation where the hierarchy didn't you know, pull the likes of KDB aside and say, how would you feel about Ronaldo playing with you? Because if they didn't want him, I don't think we'd be pushing as hard as we are or apparently are. That's, that's a very interesting point. And, of course, you've got Bernardo Silva there, his, his international teammate, and the two of them apparently get on. Ronaldo has, uh, I couldn't find the quote, but Ronaldo has said in the past how much he loves playing with Bernardo Silva. So that's an aspect yeah. to it. Uh, yesterday morning, it, it, I tweeted something about this being an extremely unlikely deal. By last night, it just felt almost inevitable, Howard. What happened... In, in those kind of 12 hours. I mean, it feels from my perspective that this is more agent-led than anything else. Now the media's got involved and now there's kind of um, details emerging that City are, you know, prepared to make a bid. How did it come to this within such a short space of time? <laughs> uh, is it desperation? Let's, let's be honest, is it well, desperation? It, look, all that, I mean, I could talk for an hour now. <laughs> I'll try and keep it under two minutes, shall I? Uh, this is supposed to be a punchy Friday show, yeah. Punchy? <laughs> punchy as in short, yeah, not yeah, seven yeah. hours long. Uh, look, uh, what, if we'd been linked to it at the start of the summer, we'd have probably laughed, wouldn't we? Mm. And yet I'm very tentatively, I think I'm up for this move. Yet again, there are certain things we can't talk about regarding Cristiano Ronaldo on other things this week. Let's so I can only focus on the football and desperation, yes, because Harry Kane put a tweet out saying he's staying at Spurs. Mm. So City immediately do the thing we knew they would do, saying, Oh, we're happy with the squad. That's just PR guff. That yes. was always coming out. That so so mean, happy. <laughs> doesn't mean they are happy. If they were happy with it, it would never have gone for Harry Kane in the first place. Mm. Uh and very at the very same time, Ronaldo is basically saying he wants to move. And agents, yeah, obviously it's all like Mendes is doing his thing. I think as a yeah, you know, as a as an outsider, I could assume that Pep's interested, but not totally convinced. But he knows what that Ronaldo will bring goals. I've just I've read there's so much about to, to really take on board about whether this is the right thing to do or not. Again, just concentrating on the football, I've seen his ego. We know he's a preening peacock in human form, so <laughs> to speak. Does that matter? Not really. It'll irritate me if he takes his shirt off after scoring the third goal against Burnley. It will <laughs> irritate me, but it's not really an important factor on whether we should sign Ronaldo. Will he cause a problem in the dressing room? He has an ego, but you tell me once in his career where he's caused a problem in a dressing room. Yeah, that's fair. fair point. Never, never. Well, and uh, I mean, again, this could be PR guff that players are really excited for. Him. City players are talking about really looking forward to working with him. That again could just be PR rubbish. But don't players want to be playing with players like this? 
There's other, there's so many other issues. Does he fit into our style of play? Is he too no, selfish? No, well, I yeah. mean, we've been bemoaning our players never shooting for about four years now, <laughs> and now we're going to be moaning a player because he's selfish, like top strikers are. So, I think I could looking at the football side of it. I think I don't think he's going to actually destroy the dressing room or anything like that. Chris, Chris is right. He's he can't just expect to start every single game. He's an utter. He's the most. He's probably one of the greatest athletes that's ever graced a sport. So his age is no concern whatsoever. He probably mm. would play every week if if allowed to. And there was just I think I I'm on board with football reasons because I do see it as a stopgap. If he came, it's probably a two year deal. But all I want from him is one year to score loads of goals before we. And as Stefan has said many times, we have to go in for Haaland now. We have to try for Haaland. And mm. if this is a stopgap for a year, tentatively I can accept this. <laughs> but well, it's just that how are the fans react? You know, there's so many, so many blues are up for this. So many are totally against it. And the bottom line is, you should never, should never, should only sign play like Ronaldo because it's good for City. But the bottom line is. The fallout for United fans has probably just tipped me way into them. <laughs> I have never seen anything like it. A player that was there at there six years for six years, tried to leave for the last two years, left them twelve years ago, spent under a third of his career at United. And even the manager even Solskjaer's close to yeah. tears at the thought. And the, the stuff the lies they're coming out with, the absolute fallout. Well, I'm afraid I'm now fully on board with Ronaldo coming to City. So, wow. Okay, uh, Chris, just on this go. one, guys. Sorry. Yeah. The, you, go for it. you know, the reports are coming out that Pep's spoken with Ronaldo already about his potential role. I mean, are you guys surprised that Pep's so potentially keen on this to happen? No, I, he needs a striker. He I, he knows he needs a striker. Um, we could try and replicate last season, but um. You know, teams are cottoning on to this kind of false nine narrative and it would still work, but to a lesser extent. And of course, with Chelsea strengthening with Lukaku, I think he put all his factors together and Pat knows he, he has to go into this season need a striker. And, um, I put something quite positive up on Twitter this week and, and, uh, a few of the guys on Twitter were coming back making really good points. It's basically saying, you know, it's, it's at the real crunch games where we're going to need this kind of, you know, hurricane figure or Ronaldo, whoever it may be. You know, it's in the Champions League semis. It's, it's kind of in the finals. It's kind of, uh, it was when we get to kind of April and we've got like, you know, an away game to Chelsea, whoever it may be. Um, and they're absolutely right. You know, throughout the, the course of this season in, in the League Cup and the FA, FA Cup opening rounds and, you know, at home to Norwich and away to kind of Burnley or whoever it may be, we can use this false nine and it would work a treat. But in these crunch games, we're going to need a striker and Pep knows this. So I, I personally am glad to see this occur. Uh, I think we've seen examples last season of Pep compromising, adapting, um, letting certain philosophies go and I think that's a positive thing um, and he's he's talked about this himself and it could well be another example of this because let's be clear in in an ideal world Pep Guardiola would not be signing Cristiano Ronaldo he, he, he doesn't fit into his setup he doesn't he doesn't kind of um, complement his philosophy if you like that's Lionel Messi not Cristiano Ronaldo um, 
So it's not an ideal setup. But Lance, if we're talking about compromise, we're also talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he's it's not weird. a bad player. Agreed. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's he's as much. Uh, yeah, he's got as much left in the tank at thirty six as Messi has at thirty four. But obviously, we're, you know, very different situation the way. Yeah. And uh, my main, my first thought was he ain't coming here on nine hundred grand a month. But mm. I'm hearing it'll take a pay cut, so he cannot smash any wage structure at the club. He does yeah. that, then forget it. Absolutely forget it. It's just, yeah, it just has to... I'm more bored on it because I know he's... The fact he's 36 is why I'm more on board with it because it may, it may be desperate, but it doesn't mean it can't work. Forget how it's happened. If it happens, we just have to assess, well, will it work for a year or 18 mm. months or so? And that's what you've got to consider now. And he can hit the ball on target. He's brilliant in the air. He will score a lot of goals, I think. So yeah, there are many other aspects. Look, I'm not trying to convince anyone. If you don't want him at the club, I fully understand that. Anyone listening, I wouldn't ever try. This is very divisive and I wouldn't even try. I'd currently put my own thoughts into it. We do. He will make the squad better for a year. Uh, and that's kind of all, yeah, I guess Pep probably sees it. He's pragmatic and thinks, well, I don't think he's totally on board, Pep, not a chance. No. But he can see the, the pluses to it. So, Well, Chris, I was going to say about the wages, what, what Howard touched on there. I think that's an interesting point because this is only speculation. None of the three of us know about this, of course. But just your opinion on this, Chris. If you're Kevin De Bruyne, let's say, or you're one of the players who are earning the most money at City, and then Cristiano Ronaldo comes in. Now, let's compare it to someone else. Let's say it was Harry Kane and suddenly Harry Kane's earning, you know, a hundred grand more than you a week or 80 grand more a week. Then you might be put out. You might be thinking, I've put in the long guards here at City. I've, I'm the superstar. You know, I should be on parity with this player. But isn't this a different situation with Cristiano Ronaldo? I mean, these players will see that we're talking about an aging superstar who's coming on a short term deal. So inevitably he's going to be on a lot of money. Um, so isn't this kind of like just a, a, an exception to the rule where players might be okay with Ronaldo winning more than them? Well, look, let, let's not forget the fact that because it's Ronaldo, we're talking about a top three player in the world at the moment. Yes, yeah. So, you know, our look at the big earners in the club and I'm thinking about Kevin specifically. He doesn't seem to me like he is um, one of the guys in there with a big ego and he doesn't seem to me that, he is motivated by by money. So, you know, they should have the mentality that if this player is going to come in on a temporary basis, because it's not going to be forever, yeah. comes in, they might he might be getting paid more, but but he is going to add a lot of value. So, you know, I think hopefully they can see past that and it doesn't cause too much of a disruption. But, you know, as Howard said before, if he's willing to take a pay cut, I mean, it, it seems like he might become in a city with a changed attitude himself. You know, if he's had discussions with Pep about potentially sitting on the bench and, and X, Y, and Z, he seems like he might be coming here because he might think to himself, you know what, I've only got one or two years left in me to 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 win titles here and this might be the perfect place for me. I'm going to come in here with a mature attitude and, and I'm going to win for the team. Mm. Yeah, I think oh, it's, it's, it's his final stop at winning Champions League. Yeah. Maybe it's the worst place to go with our, with our track record, but... How many times has he won it? Is it five times? 
I don't, I don't know. I, th- I believe it's I mean, Juventus are highly, highly, unlo- you know, it's not gone well there yeah. for the team since he's arrived. They're not, I'd be astonished if they, you know, won the Champions League in the next five years, let alone this season. The f- pure fact is that if he moves to City, he's got better odds of doing it. Uh, still may come short. And I think that's, that's the reason he would push for a move is not because he had a, a poster of Neil McNabb up in his bedroom <laughs> as a kid, uh, but it's 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 yeah, it's trophies. His last one last chance at trophies, not at a yeah. payday because he's taking a pay cut. Yeah, he's certainly not going to be earning more. So it's nothing to do with money. This he's not mercenary. He is part of the part of the reason people hate him is part of the reason why he moved to City. He's absolutely focused on absolutely. winning yeah, yeah. all the time. And that He's could wind that could wind people up. It could wind his teammates up, maybe. But I think his teammates understand what he is, and he's supposed to be a very amiable person to get on with around the training pitch. But I do think that conversation with Pep first is very important. Yeah, that I mean, he understands yeah. what is involved if he comes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's obsessed with kind of winning. He's obsessed with silverware. He's obsessed with him, himself, but in, I guess, a positive way, you could say. He's got a museum dedicated to himself in his hometown, for goodness sake. Um, so, yeah, I just want to ask each of you and kind of a kind of quick answer before we move on because we've got so much to cover today. But, um, Chris, and I, on the same question, I'll go to you too, Howard. Um, Chris, how would you feel if Ronaldo bangs in the goals for City. How would you would you celebrate different? Would you feel different? I mean, personally, I've got to say, I'd be celebrating a City goal and kind of forgetting the fact that it's Ronaldo who scored. There will be a compromise there to an extent. Would the same apply to you? Mate, I'd love it. I love any player that scores goals for City, and okay. I love any player that's willing to contribute for the team. So if he's got that attitude, then. Let's let's see where it goes. I guess it's it's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't work out. And he's a professional; he knows what he's doing, and I think he can have a positive impact. Okay, how how do you feel? Would there be any kind of conflict there going on? No, I, I celebrate goals really. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It can rebound off six players. It's, it's <laughs> if it hits the back of the net. I jump up and and cheer. Uh, yeah, some yeah, there are some. I mean, yeah. The early days when Phil Foden was putting in there, it just felt more. Uh, there were times where you want certain players to score because they need it and because you'll, you've got, a, you know, because you've got a soft spot for them. But essentially, a goal's a goal, and he knows okay. how to put the ball into the net. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see him score against United, gents. Oh God, that would be worth signing him. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd be worth signing him alone, definitely. Um, kiss the badge. We'll be wearing the will be wearing the third kit. And there's no badge. So. <laughs> well, oh, if man. Ronaldo does come for a short term, it, there's a possibility he could then be leaving at the same time of a certain Josep Guardiola. Uh, he announced this week, or at least he, he kind of revealed in some kind of conference, wasn't it? Some kind of talk going on in Brazil um, that he intends to leave City at the end of next season. Um, not a huge shock, but just hearing it and see, you know hearing it confirmed is kind of hard to take. It'll it'll mark seven years at City, which is longer than I thought he'd be at, at the club, to be honest. But even so, the end is imminent, Chris. Um, how does that sit with you? Well, look, guys, it, it's inevitable that he will one day leave Man City. Yeah. Um, as hard as that may be to take for some people, but you know. It, 
He's still got two more years um, under contract, and, and that's plenty of time for, for things to change. So I'm not taking what he said um, recently as gospel. The biggest thing for me, whether we just like we decide that he's going to leave in two, three, five years' time, is we need to have a succession plan in place. So we can't afford to get this one wrong because if we want to continue our dominance and we want to keep taking strides forward as a club, we can't afford to to make the wrong decision here. So, you know, I, I think about this situation not just at City but, you know, holistically in a football club. You know, you have a manager like Pep leaving. Imagine if you had someone who you knew was going to come in in two years' time, um, come in, work under Pep for a year as an assistant or, or two years, learn about the club, learn about the players, learn from Pep, learn about the Premier League, and then, you know, Pep's, Pep decides to move away at the end of a certain year, then that guy can step straight in. But obviously, it doesn't work like that these days, and I'd just love to see something like that happen, but... My major concern is going to be our ability to sort of attract players to come and play for City over the coming years, knowing that they might only be getting coached by Pep for only a year. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, oddly, Chris, I, I kind of don't want to see that happen as regards to, you know, putting this succession plan in place and getting someone to work alongside Pep. Only as regards to it makes perfect sense. That's the ideal setup. It never seems to work out. Whenever clubs try that, it never seems to work as you, as you mentioned there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's to come after Pep leaves. Um, I, sh- I certainly don't want a different direction taken. Uh, how do you feel firstly uh, about Pep leaving, uh, Howard and what comes next? I'll be honest, I barely took any notice of it. Yeah, well, in comparison to the other news, it did kind of, you know, barely made any ripples. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just exhausted. The news cycle has <laughs> broken me completely this week. <laughs> uh, no, not really, because he's, yeah, he said it. He's not announced it. I mean, if it was on the official site, it was like, yeah, he's going to. Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah. him saying it doesn't make absolutely certain. So much can happen in two years that he, well, he could go before then. <laughs> or he could you know, change his mind and go, no, I want another year. But really, yeah, at the end of the day, it, again, it's like it was going to happen. And I thought we'd get three years. Yeah, it's not been more than three years at another club. Was he three? Was he more at Barcelona? I thought four. I think. Oh no, it might be. Either, either, either way, he's gone. This is easily his longest stint, and I knew he. He knew I knew he won't be here for fifteen years. And in a way, as a fan, even though, go, I will obviously be weak. Whoever we get will be weaker for it. Mm. It could still be exciting to move on to someone new with new ideas, and I guess yeah, just be thankful of the seven years rather than think, oh no, this is a disaster. I think maybe the fact it's two years away, it's like, well, I'm not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting down about something that's two years away. Yeah. It, okay. It's good. It's good though because obviously the club know to. I mean, I say this knowing that we've been trying to forward plan buying a striker for two years and that didn't go very well. Exactly. We've got, we've got a run up now to think about succession planning, uh, so we don't want him just suddenly one day walking out of the club. It's nice to have an idea that, yeah, he would probably go in two years. And I expected him to go then. I didn't, honestly didn't think there was another extension coming. So it's kind yeah. of just, it's kind of just confirming what I always knew. Obviously, at the time it happens, then, yeah, it'll be, uh, I'll, I'll feel very differently about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, we need to learn lessons from, from the past, not just with at City, but at other clubs. Um, 
the way they handled it at United with Ferguson, well, you know, it's sent them in a spiral ever since, pretty much, hasn't it? Um, we're, we're bringing in Moyes, for example, and, and Ferguson having a say in who should replace him. Um, so there's certain lessons we can learn from elsewhere. Um, and yeah, it, it is a, a benefit. Oh, we can also learn from lessons from ourselves, of course, as well, because look at the whole farce where for six months we knew Pep was coming and how it, that impacted upon Pellegrini's final season. So, yeah, let's learn from those mistakes. Um, and for the meantime, let's just put it on the back burner to the extent of... Surely we take Moyes right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but let's put it on the back burner and to the extent of actually just pretending that it's never going to happen. That's yeah. how I work psychologically anyway. Go, you... um, oh, Chris. I was going to say, do you think the players are, are looking too much into these comments or do you think that they sort of just take it on their stride and not worry about it for the time being? I so, think it would creep up next season. It'll become more apparent to them next season. Right now, obviously, they'll, be, they'll probably be having conversations with their agents and, and saying, right, okay, what do we do then You know, at the end of next season? Yeah. But, um, yeah, as regards to Pep leaving and how it impacts upon the players, I think that'll become an issue next season because, you know, he... He's going to be telling the players aren't, isn't he? So uh, once it's he's got an actual date in mind, um, and then they'll have to make their plans accordingly. I can't see anyone moving on. I think you know City have got such a the setup at City now. We can take the impact of Pep Guardiola leaving and not particularly changing it in any to any great extent, apart from the style of football perhaps on the pitch. Um, so yeah, players know where they where they where they what side of their bread's buttered. Dare I say? His pull is obviously astonishing, mm, but yeah. there will still be some players who have, you know, so much better for it. Who will still have a little bit of relief, uh, yeah, when absolutely, he goes because yeah. he, the intensity and it must be exhausting, yeah, working under him. Yeah, that to think that everyone will just want to jump ship is not probably a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, that they themselves will think, oh yeah. It's nice. Uh, a new approach from a new manager is not, yeah, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's put that on the back burner for now and look ahead to tomorrow. Um, Arsenal at home, lunchtime kickoff. Um, just out of curiosity, Chris, what time would will kickoff be for you? You don't get much better than these lunchtime kickoffs. <laughs> Nine thirty p.m. Saturday night. Oh, better way to spot spend on. a night. Spot. I'm to it. Well, it's like a half five kickoff over in UK time. What's that then in Australia? Um, so I know from last last week, last weekend, the Norwich game was on at midnight. And right. The Champions League games are usually like, you know, 5 a.m. So they're oh. a bit later for you guys. <laughs> and, and do you get up and watch, try and watch them all? I mean, I guess we're at work as, as time as you can't. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, definitely during COVID, working from home a lot makes it a little bit easier to just get up, watch yeah. the game and sleep in. Yeah. But yeah, I try and get up for most games. Yeah. Um, okay, well, well, the Gunners tomorrow. Um, is it too early, Chris, to say that Arsenal are in crisis? Well, look, we're three games. We're, we're Sorry, we're two games into the season with a third this weekend. It's, it is a bit early to, to say that. Um, mm. I think looking at Arsenal's first three games, you know, they had Brentford, you know, Chelsea and then City uh, tomorrow. It, before the season started, they would have been looking at those three games and thinking, you know what, if we take three or four points away from those three games, we'd be happy. We'd take that. The Chelsea the Chelsea loss wasn't a shock to me. Um, I think if we beat them uh, tomorrow, it's not a shock to me. What was disappointing to see was that Brentford game. Um, they were outplayed. 
Um, I thought they they looked pretty sloppy, and um, but we've got to we've got to take into consideration that that's the first game of the season. You know, they had a lot of players out yeah. with injury and a bit of a COVID outbreak, if I'm not mistaken. So, look, it, it is a bit early to, to, to sort of say that they're in a crisis. Um, my concern with Arsenal is uh, I'm not sure that Arteta's got the right support around him. And what I mean by that is, uh, yes, in the boardroom, uh, I think that maybe given that he's a rookie coach, he could be able to get a bit of additional support. But within his coaching staff, so, you know, I've worked in professional sport for the last six, uh, seven years. And... In my role there, I've seen a lot of rookie head coaches come through the ranks and the ones that are successful are the ones that gets, get the right support staff around him. So, you know, they need, he needs to get some people around him that complement his weaknesses because coming in as a rookie head coach, you're not going to be a master of everything. You need to have people there that complement your weaknesses. I mean, looking at his assistants, he's got two assistants under the age of 30. To me, it looks like there might not be a lot of experience there in the coaching system. So, mm. you know, from the outside looking in, it, it looks like you might need a bit of additional support moving forward. That's a damn good point. Yeah, it's um, and the narrative that surrounds him right now. That's that's my biggest concern for Mikel Arteta. You've seen it happen time and time again when a manager comes under flack and then, you know, they can turn things around. And he, he indeed he did last season. But now, swiftly, it's fallen on him again. You know, all the kind of talk about, you know, oh, Arsenal's going to go be a bad season for them. It's not working out for Mikel Arteta. That doesn't go away when it kind of settles the second time. You, 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 I just feel he's fighting a losing battle in that regard in, in terms of, you know, how the media paints him, in terms of how the fans are seeing him. You know, very divisive amongst the Arsenal faithful. Um, so, as regards to Arteta himself, Howard, can you see a future for him there in North London? I don't, it's so hard because there's so many problems at the club. Uh, it's so hard to define whether he's how much of a failure or success he is, really. Uh, mm. I mean, I know we discussed this on the you know, sub, uh, subscription show, the Wednesday show, that the second half of last season, Arsenal was second in the league table on form. Yeah. So I think we're a bit early to be talking crisis a couple of, a couple of games in, but. How does he turn this around? I mean, what what counts as success for him if if we say that the squad just simply isn't good enough? Which, when I look at it, it isn't. So, I mean, there is plenty of talent there, but it's so far behind. When you look at some of the purchases that City, Chelsea, United, you know, and Liverpool will be strong again are making, then is not hiding to nothing, Arteta, in a way? And I don't know how that will play out if they're around ninth or tenth in the table for much of the season. I don't yeah. know if that is him being sacked or the board realising that getting rid of him really doesn't won't change anything because who's going to come in and turn him into a top four side overnight? So kind of caught between a you know rock and a hard place at the moment because if the they can't attract the best players in the world and don't have the money for the best players in the world, then. It's a limbo. It's, it is what Arsenal are at the moment. So I'm not sure getting rid of Arteta would really, you know, I don't know what the alternatives are. I think yeah. we have to commit now to giving him more time to see okay. where, you know, it, it would have to get really bad this season for Arteta to go, I think. Chris? I, I mean, if they were to sack him this season, like, do you guys feel that any elite-level elite level coaches would generally be interested in the role? Mm. Or do you think that it doesn't maybe have the same appeal as it did, say, five, ten years ago, given its current situation there? 
No, that's not definitely a the case. I've, there has been managers who have turned Arsenal down, haven't they, in the, before Arteta? Um, and that would ha- happen again, I think. So, yeah, I, 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 they've got a, they've got a big problem there. I've very making, frankly, and it's kind of crept up on them over the years. But we've all seen it coming, and they haven't. So, to, to that extent, I don't have any sympathy for Arsenal. Plus, the fact of you know they're Arsenal, but. Um, yeah, they have got a big problem there, and I can't see how they're going to kind of sort. They do, however, have some really talented kids coming through. Genuinely talented yeah. kids like like Saka and Smith Rowe, and you do feel that if someone was in place there, and it might well be Arteta, I should say, um, who can bring in a couple of top quality players who you know kind of can take responsibility, um, then they might be okay if you can get that balance right. But that that's looking to the long term. Um, as regards to Manchester City, um, okay, Arsenal have, have beat City twice in FA Cup semis in recent years. In the league, they failed to win since 2015. They've only managed two draws in that period. Um, to put the one-sided nature of this fixture into full perspective, Arsenal have only scored once in the last four years against City. Um, so, Chris, do you think they'll struggle again here? Uh, I do, to be honest. And I, th- I, th- I think that they will they will struggle. Um I can see City getting away with it, maybe 2-0. Um, yeah. Expect a couple of goals from Grealish, hoping 2-0, two goals from Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they've got, look, they've got quality attacking players. Uh, we can't deny that. And we saw it against West Brom. Uh, I yeah. know that West Brom's not the toughest opponents, but, you know, it did show that they can switch it on and, and they can be a bit of a force. For me, the, the biggest weakness is I think they might lack a little bit of confidence as a team. So I think that should develop a bit over the season. And I expect them to, to turn it around when they start getting their players back. I, I want to see how Ben White fits into the system. I'm very interested to see how that will go. Um, so, yeah, th- there is positives there. I think they just need to get through this game, you know, the international break coming up, and then they can sort of refocus. But for now, I don't see, I, I don't see them getting past City, but you never know with what's going on at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we don't like half 12 kickoffs, so. I still think it's a very troublesome game, to be honest, so. I don't know why. I just maybe we're not. Maybe Norwich is not a true test. Obviously, Kevin. No, it's Ford. still Arsenal, isn't it? It's still a quality yeah, team. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're not that bad. <laughs> I mean, you've talked. Yeah, obviously, Aubameyang and you've got got players like Lacazette and Pepe. You never know what they're going to do. To be honest, uh, they could have a good game, but they could be terrible. And you say Saka, Smithrow, Shaka at international level shows what he's capable of. Odegaard probably a good signing. Uh, I still don't think they've sorted the defense out for a long, long time. Uh, but we don't have a striker, so, so it's how does our false nine work again? So, yeah, I think it's still be a troublesome game, but one that City should obviously should win really when you look at it. So. Yeah, I mean, what strikes me looking at Arsenal and City is kind of they've got two strikers in Aubameyang and Lacazette who don't want to be there. We we don't have a striker. Um, we have an abundance of creative midfielders and wingers who consistently get on the score sheet. You know, I'm thinking Raheem. Well, God, you can go through the list. It's, it's long. Um, but we have kind of eight or nine of those players. Arsenal don't. And that for me is a big failing on Arsenal's part. You look at Martinelli, look at Smith Rowe, both fantastic talents. They scored four goals between them in their last 50 games combined. But they don't get the score sheet. Pepe, how often does he get to score? And I know by saying this now, we're going to fucking score on Saturday. But they've just got these creative players who don't get on the score sheet, whereas City do have them in abundance. So, But what we need is one of their strikers, please. 
Um, so there is that kind of the strength and depth of, of each respective team. I, I think City will win out. Um, I don't think it's it's going to be straightforward, as you say, Howard. Uh, I'm I'm very much with uh, Chris. It's going to be kind of you know two nil. Um, Howard score prediction. Yeah. Did yeah, you I'll just go- take a massive breath before you gave a score prediction? Yeah, go two one to City then. Yeah, I don't think we're going to absolutely romp it on this one. So. Maybe it's just okay. kickoff time. I've really got a thing against the early kickoff. I don't know. Mm, pl- I, I don't know if the stats really suggest that. But well, I was going to say, I would... beat West Ham two one didn't deserve to. Lost to Leeds. Maybe it's just over the the lockdown period that had a down on these kickoff yeah. times. L- last season, this came up in conversation with a pod we were doing, and I went away and I did all the stats and thought, oh, actually, our record's pretty good. So oh, good. yeah. It's just in your head. I kind of think we we seem to struggle in these games, but we don't actually. Um, okay, well, before we move on from this, uh, kind of team lineup. Who are you expecting to feature, Chris? Um, obviously, I think Edison in goal. I think we'll see Zinchenko left back. Yeah, um, Laporte Diaz uh, partnership worked well, and so I think we'll see that again. Um, no need to rush Stones back in, in my opinion. Um, Walker right back. Uh, I think we'll go Rodri um, and then Grealish and Gundo in the midfield. And then I can see a front three of Sterling on the left. I think we'll play Torres again in the false nine. And then we've got to give Gabby another run at right wing, my yes. opinion. Uh, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. How are there any uh, differences there for you? Yeah, it's like it's, it's bizarre. Mares is like on fire pre season. Mm. And then if Jesus has to play, then yeah, he may not get inside again. But. Pep did say after the game last week that he'll go with the same players. I don't know if that was just a Laporte comment too, because he was talking about Laporte as well, and he wants to keep him sweet. So, you know, it's probably Laporte and Diaz again. Uh, so is he going to play exactly the same side? I mean, there's literally no point in me even trying to predict it. Is there? <laughs> but I think Laporte, Diaz, yeah, I think Zinchenko... Well, he may come in, but you just don't know. Cancelo starts there again. And I think, yeah, Gabriel Jesus is probably the nail. Gabriel Jesus, Gundogan, Rodri and Grealish are kind of the nailed on ones. So. And Walker, yeah. of course. But, yeah, you've got Sterling Mares. You've got all these options. So I just don't know. He may stick with the same side that he played against Norwich. Well, I've got to say, personally, I really love the lunchtime kickoff this Saturday because it means I can go and watch my local team play for their three o'clock kickoff. So uh, I'm delighted with that. Um, and yeah, I, I, the local team? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big game, mate. Buckley Town against Colwyn Bay. Second against third. A must win game at this stage. <laughs> it is a must win game, yeah. yeah. If, if they can get promoted this year, they're on S4C. It's a big time, man. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But obviously, the big one is City Arsenal. And I think uh, I think this is the first time in pod history that we've all agreed on the same scoreline. So two nil for me, two nil for you guys. Let's hope it actually does transpire to be two nil. Right, guys. Well, I really enjoyed that. And Chris, thank you so much for joining us today from the other side of the world. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much, and you're welcome back anytime, of course, mate. And thank you, and- mate. Appreciate that. Thank you, Howard. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Um, We're off now to congratulate Harry Kane for scoring twice in the Europa Conference League last night against Pacos de Ferreira. He's made his bed. Take care, everyone, and forever up the batshit crazy blues.